Today, we're going to be reading from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. This is the uh, NIV. Uh, this is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount of the Attitudes. Please stand reading God's Word. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Word of God, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Maybe see it. Hey, Mark. All right, here's a question for you guys now. Not have you ever cooked something using a recipe? Here's a question. Are you ready? Who wants to live the good life? Who wants to have a good life? That's pretty much every single one of us, right? That's the question we're going to be asking every week for the next three weeks as we look at what is the good life. Because I believe that that's what I believe we were created to live a good life. I believe it's our soul's desire and the longing of our hearts to have the good life. I just think sometimes we can get really messed up on what living the good life actually looks like and what it is that we think we need to achieve the good life. Like, think about that just for a second. If you had to make a list of one, two, five things that you felt like you need to be able to say, now I'm living the good life. What would be on your list? What is it that we, we think we need to achieve or, or obtain to be able to say, now this is the good life? When I think about my own life, it, it seems like I went through a series of stages with that. Always, always looking for the next thing, I think. It started when I was younger, when I was in high school. There was a time when I was a, a senior in high school where I thought, I could just graduate. If I could just get out of here, right? It's going to be the good life for me. And, and it was a little dicey my senior year, to be honest with you. There was a principal that I'm very thankful for at Science Hill High School who worked with me to ensure my graduation. Now, I don't know if he just did that out of the kindness and goodness of his heart or if he looked at the 17-year-old Michael and thought, we really don't want you back here another year. <laughs> But I did graduate, and then it was like there was still something else. And then I thought, if I could just move out, right? If I could just move out where I don't have any more rules, and I don't have any more curfews, and I don't have 
have any more of that stuff. If I could just live my life and move out and have my own place, that would be the good life. So I did that. But then it's like I was still looking for something else. And then I thought, man, if I could just get that job, you know, that job, that, that promotion, if I just had some extra money, right? A little bit higher cash flow, that would give me the good life. If I could just have a, a 401k, right? If I could just have a pension plan, and I would have the good life because I'm looking forward to this. And then I got those things, and it feels like you're still looking for something. And there's some really good stuff we can do, like getting married. I got married. And then sometimes I think people look at that thinking, if I could just get, get that person, if I could just get married, it's going to fix everything. How many of y'all are married and you know marriage does not fix everything, right? So then some, and then sometimes we think, man, what do we need? Children. If I could just have kids. And I know that every parent here, you love your children. But sometimes we think, if I could just have kids, that's what I need. That will fulfill my life. If I can just get kids, right? And then a few years later, we're like, man, if we can just get these kids out of the house, then that's going to be the good life, right? And then maybe it wasn't children at all that we needed. Maybe it's just grandchildren. So we're like, if I can just have grandkids, that's going to be living the good life. And we're like, no, if I can just retire, I just get through all of this stuff until I'm old and can retire, then I can live the good life. And here's what I think. I think so much of our time is spent trying to achieve something else that we're missing the blessings of right where we are. There was a, um, a Greek philosopher who lived a few years before Jesus. His name was Aristotle. And he talked a lot about the good life. And in fact, Aristotle said that to live the good life, to achieve a good life, you need to live at the highest capacity that is possible for you. And what he meant by that was this. Uh, he talked about a bird. <laughs> Birds can do some things that other animals can't do. So for a bird to live a good life as a bird, a bird needs to fly. Something a bird can do, right? A bird needs to build nests. Okay? A bird needs to you know, lay eggs and raise little baby birds. And, and, and for Aristotle, looking at a bird, that's what being a bird is. When he looked at humans, again, he lived before Jesus, right? He's a Greek philosopher. He looked at humanity and he said, humans need to be able to live at the highest level of what being a human means. And the way that he understood this was, was being involved in lives of others, of being able to show love and compassion and, and forgiveness, things that he would call virtues, traits that are, that are ideal to us. He would say, you know, being involved in things like creating arts and, and music because other other animals don't do that the way that humanity is able to create in all of these beautiful and new ways. So Aristotle would say to be, to live a good life means that you live the best version of yourself. Okay? I believe there's something to that because I think that to live a good life means in some way that we're blessed. Now I know we use that word a lot put it on t-shirts, put it on a coffee cup, we put a hashtag in front of it and, and post it to all of our social media, and everything is about being blessed. Now I wanted to first, because Jesus uses this word a whole lot, 
And I think there's something in here about what it means to live a good life, being blessed. But a definition of blessed is to have God's favor on your life or God's protection around your life. That's what the word means when Jesus used it. When Matthew wrote his gospel, he wrote in Greek. So the word he used was makarioi, and everybody knew that meant blessed are you. But the blessing involved God's favor and God's protection, okay? So as Jesus came together here in what we read in Matthew chapter 5, a little of the backstory is Jesus had been out in the, the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights tempted by the devil. If you're not familiar with that story in Matthew chapter 4, we're going to talk about it um, on February 26th, right here, which is a Wednesday night, because that is Ash Wednesday and the first day of the season of Lent, which are the 40 days, not counting Sundays, that will take us up to Easter Sunday. So after this time in the wilderness, then Jesus began calling disciples to follow him. Fishermen, tax collectors, people leaving their jobs, they're just following Jesus. They're, they're leaving an old lifestyle, they're following Jesus. He began to teach and preach and people began to want to know what he said, so they were following him. He healed people who were sick. So the crowds kind of were growing wherever Jesus went, right? And on this one in particular, in Matthew chapter 5, we get Jesus seeing the crowds. Then he comes up on a mountainside and he sits down. Now for Jesus, at his time, it was customary for the teacher or the one presenting to actually sit down and for everybody else to stand up to hear. I think we should try that one Sunday to see what it's like. Let me sit down for an hour and you all stand up and we'll kind of go with it. But culturally, culturally, that's been a little shift. So Jesus is up, he's sitting down on the side of a mountain, he's a little elevated above the people maybe, so as he speaks, people can hear him. And then the crowd is, is growing around to, to hear what it is that Jesus says. And he begins with these words, blessed are you. Now he, he's, I see Jesus like holding his hands up a little bit, like makarioi, right? Blessed are you. And I just see people like leaning in a little bit, you know, because who wants the blessing of God on their life? Who wants God to bless you today? Right? So I think these people are like, yes, that's what we came for, right? That's what we're talking about. They're ready to be blessed because surely, surely this blessing of God is going to be, Makarioi, blessed are you, things are going to get better. Makarioi, blessed are you, your, your, your wealth and your prosperity is getting ready to, to turn around a little bit, right? Blessed are you, God's favor is on you. Blessed are you, God's protection is all around you, right? Blessed are you, Makarioi. And I see all these people clean in, like, blessed are what? Like they're ready, you know? Anybody ever seen the life of Ryan? Okay, then I'm going to hold off on that whole Monty Python reference, and I'm not even going to go there. We're going to do it on Wednesday night, though. But anyway, so Jesus says, Makarioi, blessed are you, and people. Blessed are who, right? Who is it that's blessed? And Jesus says, blessed are you, those who mourn. Like today, as you're really grieving and you're hurting, then, then blessed are you. Uh, blessed, blessed are you, the, the ones that are, that are meek and mild. You're blessed. Well, blessed are you, the, the ones that are really hungry. For the ones that really see the, the injustice around in the world, you are blessed. Blessed are you, um, the ones that, that show mercy to, 
to people and you're not shown any mercy in return, you're, you're blessed. Uh, blessed are, are you that are, that are pure in heart, that are truly trying to, to seek after God, that see hurt and evil in the world and your heart is breaking because of it and you feel the pain of other people. Blessed are you. Blessed are, are you that are, that are trying to make peace. Not the peacekeepers, the peacemakers, who in the spite of, of the conflict and the destruction around the world, you're seeking a way that is higher and better and peaceful. Blessed are you. And I wonder if anybody leaned in and was like, dude, is that the wrong sermon? Because I, I thought we were getting a blessing. And that doesn't exactly sound like, just being honest, the good life. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't sound like a list of people who are completely blessed. It sounds like people who are oppressed and get taken advantage of by the Roman Empire for the people listening. It sounds like some of us. But it gets better. Makariwoi, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you when people say all sorts of nasty stuff about you because of your faith. Blessed are you when people lie about you, when they diss you, when they talk smack behind your back and even post it on their page. Blessed are you. Who still wants to be blessed? Then we're in the right place. Luke chapter 6 tells the same story as Matthew chapter 5. Luke just leaves off some words. Luke doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke says, blessed are the poor. Luke 6 doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Luke says, blessed are the hungry. All I'm saying is when we go through this list, that doesn't exactly feel like or look like the good life. Or at least not the good life that I think many of us seem to be striving for. Maybe... And, and, and for sure, Jesus does not offer deliverance out of any of these problems. But he does offer his blessing to you in the midst of them. Maybe we're not blessed because we are this way, or we're not blessed because we're trying to do a particular thing. Maybe we're just blessed because the God of all creation, the God who loves you, who lived and died and rose again specifically for you, Maybe because that God is the one who is offering His blessing to each one of us. And the blessing is really the presence and His promise. So that's what I see in the Beatitudes. It's a promise, maybe of something to come. If you have your Bible, if you look at them with me. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who, who mourn, because one day they will be comforted. Uh, blessed are the, the meek, because one day... They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because one day they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful because one day they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart because one day they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for one day they will be called the children of God. And I see a lot of future blessings involved in this, right? You're blessed in spite of what is happening to you because of the promise of what will happen to you in the future. The good life, part of the good life, is being able to see beyond our present realities and constraints 
to be able to see the promise of redemption, the promise of hope, the promise of restoration, the promise of forgiveness, and many of those can be future things. But here's the deal. If you're like me, it is wonderful to know that when I mourn one day, I'll be comforted. It is great to know that when I'm hungry, one day I will be filled. It's nice to know that when I'm thirsty, one day I will have that thirst quenched. It's good to know that, that if I'm a peacemaker, one day I will be called and known as a child of God. But what about now, right? I mean, this whole thing with the kingdom of heaven is great. But what about where I am right now in this kingdom of earth? How do I get through all of this living a good life? with the promise of what's supposed to be happening in the future. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus framed this whole thing. We have the very first mini-sermon Jesus ever preached. And Matthew said that from that time, Jesus went and He preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. For the kingdom of heaven is among you. And that's what Jesus has literally just brought in. The kingdom of heaven is among you. In fact, the kingdom of heaven this very day, the kingdom of God this moment is among us. The kingdom of God is around us. The kingdom is in us. We are part of it. Yes, we're part of an earthly kingdom as well right now. We still need to, to work jobs and go to school and change diapers and, and feed kids. There's still a, a daily process that we're part of, right? But there's something else that is around us, that we are aware of as well. And it's having spiritual eyes to be able to see glimpses of the goodness of God around us, the love and the forgiveness and the hope that God offers to each one of us as His creation and as His children. It's being able to know that, that what is happening right now is not all that there is, that there is something more, but knowing that God is with us now in the midst of it. That's what the Beatitudes are. There's two others that bookend all of these that say will. There, there's several that talk about the future, but the very first one, and then the one in verse 10, talk about the present. Blessed are the pure in heart, for theirs is. Can y'all say is? Is. is? is is different than will be. Will be means it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Is means here you go. It's now. So the blessing, the makarioi, is for those who are, who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Kind of like being empty. I know we're like, I don't need to be empty. i got to be filled up, right? got to be filled up. Here's the thing. To be filled up with the right stuff, we need to be empty of everything else first. This is what Jesus is getting at here. That, that, that blessing is for the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, and blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's like it's all about this kingdom of heaven, and it's about the kingdom of heaven now. But as I read these Beatitudes, I also think it points towards other people. A blessing is not just for you to keep. If you've ever heard a phrase, something like, that you've been blessed to be a blessing, there's a lot of truth, I think, in that. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is near when we offer comforts to those who mourn in Jesus' name. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is near when we offer food to the hungry in Jesus' name. 
Maybe the kingdom of heaven is near when we fight for righteousness and the oppressed in Jesus' name. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is near when we show mercy to others in Jesus' name. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is near when our hearts are pure in the love of God for all of God's creation in Jesus' name. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is near when we make peace, when we fight for peace in the midst of conflict and we do it in Jesus' name. Maybe we find the good life. Not in the extra things that we're looking for, but in the very person who pronounced the blessing on us. Maybe the good life is not found in any of those things or in any other person. But the good life itself is found when we live to the highest capacity that we have been called to. Which is to be loved by God, to love God, and then to love others. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven has come to you today so that you might be blessed. Yeah. Holy Communion, I believe, is a foretaste of this heavenly kingdom. It's a, it's a glimpse into the fact that God allowed and gave Himself as a blessing to us. God gave Himself so that then we could, in turn, give ourselves to others. And this is all from our Lord. That's why we say that, that it is Christ our Lord who invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. Would you take this moment and talk to God? Would you take this moment and thank God for His goodness and grace and love in your life? Would you just take this moment to, to repent of sin in your life and to know that living a good life is found in Christ alone?
Pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. Make us one with one another and one with your church until you come in final victory and we feast at your heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.